it's sometimes said that there are two sides to every story. We might hear in our own life somebody describe a set of events and we think, well, that's not how I remember it happening. We each see a situation from our own frame of reference and we evaluate it based on our past experience, our culture and also our expectations. For example, imagine a nil-nil score in a football match. For one person, it may be awful. And for their neighbour, a cause of rejoicing. From one set of fans, it might bring jeers and boos aimed at the players. And yet, that same one point scored for the draw might give cheers and and toasting of a wonderful success. Glass half empty, glass half full. But enough about last Monday's Spain-Sweden match. Even people who share a similar background and a common cause might describe things differently. And we know that because we see it in the scriptures. We see it in the gospels. Each gospel writer speaks of God's love revealed in Jesus, but structure their telling in not the same way. They put their emphasis on different elements because of their background, because of their experience, because of how they want to tell the story. And the same is true in the Old Testament. Our passage today is a parallel time to the account of Ezra that we had last week. Ezra 3 and Nehemiah 8 both tell us of how after the exile of God's people, they come back to Jerusalem, they come together as one, and they're there on the first day of the seventh month as they come to their festivities. They come to be focused on honouring God. Last week, Our passage pointed to the altar and the sacrifices brought morning and night, burnt offerings given to God. But today, through fresh eyes, a different view, and the description of a new witness, those words, altar, sacrifice, and offering, that actually comprised quite a component in last week's sermon, in last week's passage, they don't appear. Instead, they look to Ezra reading the scroll and preaching, opening the word to the people. To enable him to share the word, there is what might sometimes be considered an early example of a pulpit. It's a tall 
wooden structure, a platform, so that Ezra and those many people that were round about him, kudos to, to Graham for giving them their names, I'm not going to venture into that territory, but they're, they're there, all stood on a big platform so that Ezra can be seen and heard. The pulpit for the 21st century is not a a wooden witness box, but the microphones and cameras, the computer and router that enable what we do here at the front to be heard and to be seen, not just within this space, but also elsewhere in the building, out in the concourse, into the lounge, we could take it up to the upper room, or indeed can now be accessed anywhere throughout the world. Since lockdown, we have a new pulpit in church, and at times in my study. It's just built in a different way than what we are used to. But the idea is the same, to share the word and to see how it touches. The word spoken by Ezra is heard by men and women and a younger audience too. All who were able to understand were gathered there. That concept of being a family that learn together is important. It's emphasized in the passage by seeing it twice in quick succession. The word is for people of every age and generation, for all who can understand. Though sometimes we might change the approach, do it in different ways, so that a greater understanding is gained, as our experiences and our attention spans are not the same. Yet we all share the commonality of having, a, of having a heavenly father who knows us intimately and cares for you passionately. He cares for each one. The people of God hearing the word are passionate too. As the law is read by Ezra, the people weep because they understand how their family relationship has been broken. They are not at this time feeling as men and women and others, but see them all as children of the Father. Children who have been caught out, perhaps with a hand in a biscuit jar. Well, maybe not. Telling a lie, being greedy, and certainly in how they have behaved in dishonouring the family name. They know that they have fallen short and they weep as a sign of their confession and their personal acknowledgement of who they are and why the exile happened. 
As it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We all fall short. It is in our human nature. But God is the perfect father. The father which the psalmist declares, along with the prophets Jonah, Joel, and Nahum, and also Nehemiah in the next chapter, they declare gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. This is our father. Before Ezra, the children of God weep in sorrow, but the father loves and forgives. As Danny was saying earlier with the x-ray, the word has exposed what was broken in their lives. But through the word, healing can also be known. In Christ, the word became flesh. And that word dwelt among us. And when we turn to the word, sins are forgiven. And the wholeness of new life is received. And if that is not something to rejoice in, I don't know what is. The people heard the word and wept. Their context taught them to respond that way. But Ezra speaks to them of a new way. Hear the word and rejoice. Do not mourn and weep. That's because this day is holy. I wonder how many of us grew up with a, a grey view of how Sunday should be. Perhaps in some places parks were locked. Maybe you had to wear a stiff-necked shirt. The idea of laughing and rejoicing in public in some places was far removed. It was all rather like the Pharisees who scowled at Jesus as he brought healing on the Sabbath. What image, I wonder, of God did that give society? What image of the Father who loves them? Ezra says, this day is holy. And then Nehemiah says with him, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then the priests, the Levites, join into calming and encouraging, not to be sad, but to celebrate. When we hear and know the fullness of the word, we discover it is something to delight in, something to fill our hearts, something to share with joy in the world. So let us do so. Let us read the word. Let us grow from the word and encourage others whose narrative 
has been negative, we can celebrate because we can rejoice in the perfect Heavenly Father's love. Amen.